Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of All Places Together and your podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. I've got a question for you. What's God's justice like? Justice is a multi-layered world in the United States in 2023, to say the very least. I don't know about you, but as soon as I typed the opening question for this episode, I immediately heard the deep voice of the Law and Order theme song of that intro saying, The Criminal Justice System. And even though I'm a near-exclusive Marvel Cinematic Universe fan when it comes to superheroes— DC's Justice League also pops into mind as well when I think of this word. Then a different part of me remembers being at youth events and singing a song that has the lyric, when justice rolls down like a mighty water. It's the same word in all of these places, but it's clearly being used in different ways. The basic dictionary definition of justice is this, just behavior or treatment. While this definition is certainly succinct and to the point, it's also incredibly vague and open-ended as to who gets to define what is just. What is just to a four-year-old that wants to play with her older brother's toys is probably not just to that older brother. And what is just gets simply more complicated the older we get, the more people that are involved and more complicated lives get. The values that we hold that lead us to definitions of what is just also greatly vary amongst adults, even amongst groups of similar adults, say Christians. And truth be told, justice is written about in a variety of ways throughout the Bible, too. God's people had different interpretations and understanding of how God creates, shares, builds, and delivers justice. One can read the Bible and look for all of the scary texts about condemnation, fire, burning chaff, and gnashing of teeth, and then say, that is what God's justice is like. There's lots of Christians who do that, and their interpretations are biblically grounded. But as you might imagine, that's not the type of Christian that I am, nor the type of community that All Places Together strives to be. The teachers in the faith that I have learned from, the experiences that I have had of God, and the hope that God gives me leads me to a much different approach to God's justice. And that's what I want to begin to explore together today. Offering a comprehensive and complete explanation of God's justice is impossible to do in a single podcast episode. Yet, I do believe that as I share these two examples from Scripture about God's justice, we will get glimpses of what it's like. These examples will open up our imaginations to see what God is up to in our own time and in our own places, that we'll be able to understand a little bit more what God's work is about and how we might be able to join in. The first reading about justice that I want us to reflect on together is from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of many prophets who have a book named after them in the Hebrew Testament. But the truth is, there actually isn't just one Isaiah. He's not just one guy. 
Scholars say that there are many prophets that are united under the name and the title of the book Isaiah. There are at least three distinct and different voices that speak from three various points in the history of the people of Israel. The portion that I'll be reading today comes from the third part of Isaiah. This was written after many Israelites returned to Israel after the Babylonian exile sometime after 538 BCE. While these chapters share a time period, the chapters are likely the work of a number of prophets and leaders. The focus of these chapters is about reestablishing life and rebuilding now that they've returned home. The prophets share words of renewal, point to how God is going to restore them, and encourage faithful living towards God and care of each other. This is Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 to 12. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them and to not hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Here ends the reading. In this text, justice is framed as how people care for each other, especially focusing on those who have the greatest need. More than just a response to faith or a byproduct of faith, these voices frame practicing justice as a type of fast, a spiritual discipline. The fast that God chooses, the fast that this prophet calls us to, is to seek justice. There are particular types of examples of seeking justice that this prophet names. First is the freeing of those who are oppressed or in some type of literal bondage. And I want to be clear, this is not a metaphor. This is a literal statement about people who wore yokes and chains of enslavement that God was calling the people of Israel to set free. The prophet also names sharing food with those who are hungry and providing clothes to those who are naked as part of justice work. The prophet even encourages followers to open up their homes to those who experience homelessness. This may sound extreme in our day and age, but in this time period, it was a common hospitality practice to open your home up to strangers who were traveling. 
There weren't really hotels in the same way that we have them today. While this invite is a bigger commitment than opening one's home to a traveler who may only stay a night or two, it isn't totally out of left field either. After giving instructions on the types of action that God wants the people of Israel to engage in, the prophet then goes on to talk about what happens when they act in this way. Healing springs up. Dawn breaks. God's glory is all around. God answers their call. Their homes will be rebuilt. They will be like a watered garden. And if you're in a place that is experiencing drought this summer, you know just how lovely and beautiful a watered garden is. You may have noticed that this passage is framed in if-then language. If you do this, then this will happen. This can feel a little bit like a vending machine to me. Like one sandwich to a hungry person, one brick in my house that needs rebuilt. And I don't think that this is quite what the prophet meant, and I don't actually think that's how God works at all either. Instead, I think what the prophet was getting at is that when people take care of those experiencing need in their community, then the whole community experiences healing and rises together. It means that when anyone experiences hardship, there is support and hands to help then those who were supported can in time share their gifts and talents with the community as well. Everyone grows together. Justice is caring for one another, providing for each other's needs, and rebuilding with God. Justice was another theme of Jesus's ministry as well. In the fourth chapter of Luke, Jesus frames his entire ministry as fulfillment of the Lord's favor, as bringing justice to those who have suffered. The first two chapters of Luke tell us about the promise of Jesus's birth, then he's actually born, and a little bit about his childhood too. The third chapter is Jesus's baptism and his time in the wilderness. Those are the first adult things that he does in the gospel of Luke. And then this fourth chapter is next. So these are his first public words. It's like his very first sermon. It kind of functions like his thesis statement um, for what all of his mission and ministry is like. And if you're a Jesus follower, it's the mission and ministry that you're invited into as well. Now I'll read Luke chapter 4 verses 16 to 21. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We hear through the mouth of Jesus again words from the prophet Isaiah. 
that Jesus agrees with what the prophet wrote and spoke all of those generations ago. And now he, as God's son, is going to fulfill these words, is going to do this work on earth. Did you hear those five things that Jesus said he was going to do that were listed from Isaiah? I'm going to list them again to kind of help you hold them in your mind. One, bring good news to the poor. Two, release the captives. Three, recovery of sight to the blind. Four, set free to those who are oppressed. And five, proclaim the Lord's favor. Right? There are clear similarities to the passage that we read from Isaiah earlier, even though these aren't the same exact verses. Jesus is following this same prophetic tradition. Moreover, each of Jesus' plans had literal implications in Jesus' time and in our day and age as well. While some, myself included, do read some metaphors in these words as well, it's imperative to take Jesus' words literally here. In Jesus' time, the social hierarchy was intense and rigid. Societal standing was shaped like a pyramid, with the emperor at the top, followed by his top leaders and wealthy people. Then there was like the middle class people who were maybe merchants and skilled workers. Then came the poorest people. And then at the very bottom were enslaved people who were treated like property and not people at all. The enslaved people were the bottom of the pyramid and they built and sustained the function of society through their labor and their lives. Upward morbidity was strictly limited in this system. In fact, it was really only possible to go down. So when Jesus says that he's bringing good news to the poor, release to the captives, and freedom to the oppressed, he is talking about literal people and swaths of society who were under the rule of the emperor and the wealthy of society. For us in the 21st century, we must remember that Jesus meant these words literally for his time and literally for our time as well. After all, slavery continues to exist in other forms in our times. Jesus wants freedom for all of those who are enslaved. Jesus also seeks freedom for those who are oppressed then and now. And there are many types of oppression that people face in the modern day. Institutional racism affects Black, Indigenous, Latine, Asian, and all other people of color at work, at school, and in society as a whole. Last month, the Human Rights Campaign declared a state of emergency for LGBTQIA plus people because the amount of anti-LGBTQIA plus legislation proposed in state houses. Women continue to be paid less than men for the same work. Just this past week, my heart broke with the news about the Supreme Court removing affirmative action and allowing service providers to discriminate based on sexual orientation. Seeking freedom from these types of oppression is complicated and done in many ways. Together with God, we seek justice with small acts of sharing and volunteering in our communities. God's justice grows when we build relationships with all of our neighbors and make sacrifices from our own resources and privilege to support others. God's justice blossoms when we support the trans youth in our lives and speak up against the mistreatment of women and non-binary people in our workplaces and third spaces. God's justice can be seen in policies that care for people and the planet. 
Jesus' proclamation of providing recovery of sight to the blind was also literal. There are many stories in the Gospel of Luke and the three other Gospels where Jesus heals people from sight loss as well as other ailments. Now, Jesus does continue to heal in our day and age as well, though it's not quite as hands-on as it used to be. Moreover, those outside of the disability community are beginning to understand what the disability community has known all along, which is, there is anything wrong with having sight loss or hearing loss or needing a device to help you move. Rather, society hasn't been built to be accessible. So while I do think that Jesus helps us heal from any number of illnesses, ailments, and conditions, Jesus also helps us heal our society as a whole so that we can rebuild and restructure so that all people can have accessibility and likewise be able to contribute to our wider community. Each of us has a different gift, ability, and way of joining with God in the work of seeking justice. Based on our identity, season of life, family structure, profession, and health, we'll respond to God differently. And that's okay. That's part of the plan. And we can't forget that what works in one place may not make sense in another. Seeking justice is very contextual. For me, these passages from Isaiah and Luke are foundational in beginning to understand what God's justice is like. They clearly show that taking care of one another, especially those with the greatest need, as central to faithful and just living. God shows us that justice is created and shared. God leads the way in creating justice and invites us into that work. So what is God's justice like? It's clean water in Flint, Michigan. It's the dismantling of prisons that enslave people. It's gender-affirming care for the trans community. It's meeting for those striving to break addictions and stay sober. It's wheelchair ramps for every building on a college campus. It's all of this and so much more. Because God seeks justice for all people, wherever, whoever, and however they are. prayer for justice. God of all, throughout the ages you have declared your love for all people and taught us how to care for one another. Yet our own selfishness and insecurities get in the way of us seeing the needs of others and caring for our community. Open our hearts to better learn the places that we live, learn, work, play, and worship in. Show us the ways that we can join you in creating justice for all people and all creatures. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experience God's love for you and the world in today's episode. 
I know many folks are enjoying extended weekends for Independence Day. As you're visiting with friends and family, please consider sharing the All Places Together podcast with them. We're great companions for porch sitting, evening walks, laying out by the pool, long road trips, and even weeding in the garden. Your word of mouth recommendations to the people in your life are the best way for new people to learn about our ministry. As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Bringing church together is so important. Thank you to all individuals who give to All Places Together to empower our ongoing work. If you would like to make a gift, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom and click the button that says Give Now. You'll be redirected to our giving platform there. Through that link, you can both make one-time gifts and also set up recurring donations. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.